Success is about more than just business strategies. It's also about aligning with your higher purpose and clearing inner obstacles that stand in the way. I say this because you deserve to do what you love and to feel fulfilled along the way. And the reality is you're likely spending more time than you'd like to stuck in self-doubt. You may be asking yourself things like, why do I never seem to reach my biggest goals no matter how hard I work? Or why do I never quite feel like I've done enough, have enough, or am enough? If any of these sound familiar, you are not alone, and I've been there too. The good news is that the solution is simpler than you think. I'm sharing it inside my new four-day women's immersion, The Inner Critic Cure. This live four-day event includes daily classes, potent practices, and a brilliant, supportive community of like-minded women. And best of all, it's only $37. This method is gentle yet powerful, and it actually works even when others haven't because it's based on a proven psychotherapeutic framework called Internal Family Systems, or IFS. By the time you leave, you'll have the knowledge and tools to not only heal your relationship with those harsh inner voices, but to turn them into your strongest allies now and for the rest of your life. So join us to discover how to put an end to those negative voices that have held you back from your biggest dreams and desires. So you can live into the full potential you know is possible for you in both your business and in your life. You can learn more and join us inside the Inner Critic Cure at programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. That's programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. I'd love to see you there. And we also live in such an individualized uh, society that um, the, the, tent, the trend is to move towards the individual constantly. And, and away from community, away from connection. So the, so the individualized society in a combination of clinical training, I think has masked this um, really large um, way that mental health services delivered is for individual. And, and I think individual is really important. I go to individual therapy, I've been in individual therapy. So I'm not saying at all that, that this individual therapy isn't really important. I'm just saying there's a hole in what people have available to them in their capacity to, to access um, and learn you know, about their internal system and also learn about how to be connected with each other. Welcome to Herself, an internal family systems and women's spirituality podcast, and a space for you to come home to your innate wholeness and wisdom. You're in the right place if you're devoted to showing up for not only your outer, but also your inner life with courage and compassion. And if you feel inspired to do that in the good company of other women who are also committed to cultivating greater and greater levels of inner peace and outer fulfillment. I'm your host, Sarah Avon Stover, the author of three books, a certified internal family systems practitioner, and a pioneering teacher of women's spirituality for the past 24 years and counting. Here, we explore all different facets of a woman's spiritual and healing journey, both the pretty and the not so pretty parts. And we do this through wisdom talks, practical guidance for navigating the ups and downs of our paths with more grace and gusto, and conversations with other inspiring wayfinders. Above all, if you're here, you know that your continued deepening also serves the healing of our world. I'm happy you're here. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome back, Chris. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me back. And we always start our time here with a little check-in. So I'd love for you to share with us where you're joining us from today and there's anything you want to share about how you're doing or any parts that you're bringing into the conversation with you? Um, yeah, doing great. I'm at home here in Asheville where uh, we've been hosting healing circles trainings. We've done three of those so far. I loved having you here. It was really a powerful week. Um, yeah, I feel really great. I've got several more scheduled that, you know, and they're all of them are full and uh, we're excited about, um, yeah, continuing the work and other opportunities that may 
look at ways of spreading, uh, working in IFS groups um, in different places. So yeah, we're excited about what's coming up and the possibilities. Right. Yeah, just looking at your space there, I feel nostalgic for our time there. It was a really, really great week. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to having a deeper conversation about this with my wider community, because I think it's it's a really important thing to understand at a deeper level, both for potential attendees to circles, but also people who want to facilitate them. Yeah. So just to back up for people, I, I want to mention that you did join us last year at about this time, and we were talking about our critic and perfectionist parts. And anyone who wants to go back to listen to that, that was episode 106. And today we're here to talk about this other dimension of your work, which includes your new book, which I recommend everyone pick up a copy of. It is Creating IFS Healing Circles. And towards the end of the training that I did with you the other month, you shared with our group a dream that you had that inspired you to bring this work more fully into the world. Can you, can you share with us a bit about that dream? Um, yeah, I was, I was in a spiritual retreat and, uh, it was a 13 day spiritual retreat. And, um, some of the retreat was focusing on dream work it was uh, sort of deep contemplation about, um, what our purpose is, what's our contribution, who are we um, kind of letting go of part of our lives that may be formed under um, survival and uh, how much we're feeding those survival dances and moving. I was sort of in my, uh, probably in my forties at the time that maybe I'm just approaching 40. Um, and that's kind of the time of life where you began to look a little bit more downhill thinking, you know, what's my contribution? What am I supposed to contribute to the world? What's my impact? And so much of my life felt at the time built on survival and, you know, just trying to make it, trying to, you know, I think I had a couple of young children at a time and um, just, you know, trying to be a good therapist that I hadn't had time to really think about what's my impact, what's my purpose. Um, it was kind of an unusual dream, you know, us, uh, folks that are Southern in the Southern part of the States, you know, our, our barbecue is kind of really important part of our life. And um, so, and where to go, where you go to eat barbecue and, you know, is, is, is a Southern tradition. So in the dream um, I saw um, serving barbecue kind of out of a, a football um, uh, concession stand, you know, and which are, tend to be a block building that has a big open window, you know, and people sort of come up and you serve them and they go. And there's sort of a long line of uh, people being served. Um, and I was serving barbecue. It was sort of my own special recipe of barbecue within the dream. And, um, you know, and in the dream, I asked, what, what is it that I'm serving? What is it that I'm creating? What are, what are people coming for? And my heard is, that you're, you're serving healing circles, you know, you're creating serving healing circles. And I was an IFS training, which was before Zoom, we all sat in a circle. And so I began to look at sort of all of the circles I had set in and how important circle has been for people for, you know, since the beginning, you know, that, that people in community set or in a circle around the fire, there was talking circles where people spoke their truth. They made decisions based on what was going to, you know, care for their village, you know, and a circle has no leader. It has uh, people's voice. It has a place for the voice to be heard and the, the voice of the self, the voice of the wise self to come into the circle. And it's not always, so it's not hierarchical. It's a, it's a place where the wisdom can come in to serve uh, people. Um, and so that's a little bit where creating healing circles came from and then began to look at more and more like how, how are we getting people really deeply into IFS? How are people learning about the work? And it's done, all done in circles, you know, so we, we, I've tried to train people individually. Uh, Richard Schwartz has tried to train people individually, you know, but 
you know, early on, he found that the best way to learn a model was in a group setting. And then I began to think, well, we're training people to really facilitate the model for individuals. And then as I stepped back further and looked at where group therapy has evolved to, group therapy is, from, and maybe I'm wrong, but it's mostly been pretty well eradicated from clinical practices. There are still groups therapy that's done maybe in, in treatment facilities, maybe some mental health facilities, whole groups, maybe there's some parenting groups. AA definitely, you know, is a group setting. But as far as a clinical training program that specifically focuses on learning to be a facilitator, those are gone. And I did some surveys for people in IFS trainings. Some people maybe got one class in group facilitator skills. Some people maybe got two classes. Um, mostly they participated in an experiential group that was kind of an existential group. That was kind of a traditional group that's that's type of group that's done and uh, for most people. Um, but how to facilitate group therapy, um, it's kind of like how do you facilitate, you know, family therapy, you know, and there's special skills in facilitating family therapy that's different than individual skills. And, um, and a lot of those skills have been ones that I've used as being a, uh, a lead trainer. So I felt like there was a hole missing. And we also live in such an individualized uh, society that uh, the the, the trend is to move towards the individual constantly and, and away from community, away from connection. So the, so the individualized society in the combination of clinical training, I think has masked this um, really large um, way that mental health services delivered is for individual. And, and I think individual is really important. I go to individual therapy, I've been in individual therapy. So I'm not saying at all that, that this individual therapy isn't really important. I'm just saying there's a hole in what people have available to them in their capacity to, to access um, and learn, you know, about their internal system and also learn about how to be connected with each other. Um, so we'll unpack, we'll unpack <laughs> different pieces of that as we go. Yeah, and so you, you had that dream initially in at around 40 or in, in your early forties. Yeah. And can I ask how old you are now? I'm 58. I'll be 58, 58. in a couple of days. Okay. Well, ha happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> So do you, do you feel that this is like your core body of work for this, this later season of your life that, that you're here to like more fully usher in? I feel like it's one, it's one core body of work. I'm, I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping to sort of train a critical mass of folks that want to carry the work, you know, what you're, you know, when you're, when you sort of reach 58, you know, longer of the hub of anything, because you're just not going to be around long enough, you know, to, to carry it. So I'm hoping that um, and that's one reason we wrote the book is to really try to ignite an interest in group work. And, and also, I think, and hopefully you experience this, but being doing IFS in a group is really, really powerful. Um, and the depth and the the multi-dimensionality that you can work in group is um, sometimes hard to get to in individual therapy, you know, and, and also kind of what shows up in group, you know, is day-to-day -day life at some of the hidden unhealed places don't show up as strong. Um, so I, I'm hoping to sort of support the conversation, I think. I don't think my body of work is meant to be like the body of work. It's meant to like support other conversations. There's other trainers that have a lot of passion for group work. I'm hoping that their books come out, you know, I'm hoping that, that this, you know, that it just kind of begins to move the tide a little bit more towards community building. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping more to, to really engage the conversation than like, you know, create a, another model or something, you know? It's, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Like one of, one of the things that I think I said during that week was this feels like 3d IFS mm -hmm. individual IFS has been so powerful for me. And that's, that's what led me to want to become trained and certified in it and share it in the ways that I do, but then to, it took it to a whole new level to be in a group. And I, 
And that's also why I want to have this conversation because I, I feel like a lot of people don't really understand what's possible if we yeah. break out of this mold of just doing the one-on-ones and start, start stepping into groups. Yeah. So I also wanted to name, um, that you, you seem to bring in a lot of different influences into your group facilitation. And we talked about dream work and, you know, in one of the days in the training, we, we sculpted someone's dream and you've had a lot of different experiences in groups. Can you speak about like the different, different influences that, that have been a big part of your life that, that you weave into these circle experience, these healing circle experiences? Yeah, I started, um, my first group was a men's group that I joined at 25. Um, and then I was in the, um, the men's movement with Robert Bly and James Hillman, Michael Mead, um, was in the Denver men's council. That's a large men's men's group. Um, and we did sort of large gatherings for men in group settings. And then we spent all day Sunday talking about it and, learning about uh, how to be a community, you know, with each other and how to be honest and have conflict and also have connection in, and, um, and I, and there's other men's movement, like the mankind project and different men's, you know, kinds of uh, councils that are continued to kind of similar to that. So there's a lot of influence from that in building community um, and, in doing my own work inside a group. You know, I studied a lot of what Alpesos um, and uh, Psychomotor, uh, which is kind of a, um, it's a parts work that, um, that has sculpting and psychodrama, you know, along with that. Um, I've been in Gestalt groups, um, psychodrama groups, um, and then um, IFS has been in trained in a group setting for you know, since the beginning. So um, I've in family therapy is a kind of form of group therapy in a way. Um, so having, you know, whole families and, you know, mothers and fathers doing multifamily group, I ran a, a multifamily group for a while, couples groups. So, um, so yeah, and I think being an only child, I, I really enjoyed being in intentional community with people. And um, so yeah, all of those things kind of influence the work and it helps to kind of boil down to kind of what are the essential elements of the group work. Um, and, and I've honed into the experiential components to it that I found experiential work. Um, the processing can be building, it can be really important um, and can be bonding for people to be able to tell their story and be heard and be seen. Um, but that alone doesn't do the deep healing, deep work. So I've been, and our tendency is to do a little bit more sit and process, you know, cause it's more familiar. Um, so the, the pushing the, the envelope to the deeper experiential work is, um, something that I, uh, that's been more transformative to me. I can't, I can't tell you what conversation I had in a group. I can tell you what sculpting I did. I can tell you a sculpting I did when I was 27 years old with Alpesos that, all that had a huge shift to my relationship with my dad, you know, so that experiential work lives in me. I can't tell you what conversations we had as a group setting. So the experiential work, I think goes much deeper. If you are feeling inspired to be part of an IFS healing circle, I have some good news. Like I mentioned at the start of the conversation today, doors are now open to the next round of my signature IFS and women's spirituality six-week program, Becoming Whole. And doors are open until this Wednesday, June 14th. So this program takes you in-depth into an accessible, safe, and transformative path for healing your deepest wounds for healing unresolved wounds, for healing traumas, for healing unwanted behaviors, lingering feelings of shame and unworthiness, for healing patterns of burnout, all of these types of things, supporting you if you're in a season of life where there's a lot of upheaval or transition so that you can really make real lasting peace, not only with yourself, but also with your life. So these are skills and practices that you will be able to carry with you to enhance 
your quality of life for the rest of your life. And some of my students have said this is like a year of therapy in six weeks, that this is like an umbrella course that all my other work fits under and it makes everything else sink in more. And a big component in how we work together in Becoming Whole is through this kind of group work. And while there is an option to work more independently, if that appeals to you, there's also the option to do this kind of healing work in a safe women's community. So this is for women at any stage on our healing and spiritual journey. We've had retirees, coaches, social workers, therapists, artists, veterinarians, and more join us in the past. So if you want to learn more to be part of this kind of a group experience with other women like you, I invite you to head to becomingwholeifs.com. That's becomingwholeifs.com. And again, doors close in just a few days. If it feels right, I would love to have you. And now back to our conversation with Chris. We've mentioned sculpting a few times now. Do you, can you share with listeners what, what sculpting is? Because that's a big part of what these circles are about. Yeah, I think it's a skill that I, you know, like when IFS individual work, you learn insight and you learn direct access. I think those are the two core um, things you're learning is how to help someone go inside and find their parts or how to inter, you know, talk to a part and direct access. I think sculpting is the core element for group work. And sculpting is where you have people role play different elements of themselves within the group. So you may have someone role play your manager, someone role play your firefighter, you know, you may tease out kind of what these parts are saying to you, what their posture is, you know, how they, what space they hold, what their proximity to each other, you know, what is the sort of dynamic between those parts, how that dynamic then impacts other systems. So you can really sort of take a step back and take a look at the systemic dynamics that are unfolding in the system and also find out a little bit how how the self is held in the system and the you know parts can sort of rise and settle you know and so as the conflict rises what happens to the self you know or the person's self-energy you know and as they settle where's the self-energy and then looking at how those parts formed i always say if we don't understand a part you know, go back into the point in which it formed and then it really makes sense. So those parts are often still operating in a time and space in which they formed, which is what I call the field. We can find out what field are these parts responding to and reacting in. And a lot of the extreme or maladaptive behaviors that formed under trauma. So that trauma is still living in the body, in the person's field and the parts are still operating from that same uh, point of reference. So all of that has a lot of potential for shifts of movement and movement and healing that can take place. In our training each day, just, just for listeners to understand each day, one of us, or, and there were 10 participants, one of us received a sculpt and also facilitated a sculpt. And the sculpt that I received it was very, I mean, I think everyone, everyone felt this way about their own sculpt, but it was very powerful. And I think I shared in the group that I had visited that particular field a lot in my one-on-one sessions and done a lot of healing around that field a lot, but there was something that really deeply shifted by enacting or like building that scene in actual space and time around me. And we even did like a clearing of it. So I felt that like the actual dissolution of that particular field that had, that had a lot of trauma in my past. And it was able to go deeper into it than all the one-on-one sessions that I'd done. I'm sure all those helped, you know, to get to that point, but it was just, um, like I said earlier, just took it to a new level, took the healing to a new level. Yeah. Yeah, something really powerful that like all 10, all 10 participants were there to support your healing. You know, everyone yeah. was invested in sort of wanting for you, you know, wanting that healing. Yeah. 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 And that that's the other thing that 
because that particular scene, I was very alone. And as many of us are in those, yeah. those traumatic moments, we're alone mm-hmm. and we don't have the support that we need. And to have all of you there um, supporting me, being, being actually in the in that moment, in that field with me, it was, I, there aren't even, there aren't even words to, to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was getting a little emotional just talking about it because I think the feeling like, you know, kind of love in the room, you know, and also um, the love that you needed and deserved, you know, in that that time that wasn't there, um, to be able to create that or see that is a really, really powerful thing that's, um, you know, I think it's one thing to sort of have the love of your therapist, you know, but to have the love of, you know, colleagues, you know, people to just really want the best for you. Um, is a really powerful, um, you know, component of the healing circles. Yeah. And that brings us to community mm-hmm. and it seems like community is, is really one of your, one of your core values and these circles really, really are about creating community and we are so community starved in yeah. the world right now. And can you speak more about how these, how these circles can help us to heal, to shift out of such an individualistic culture? Well, I think I started looking at some of my individual work and a lot of people come to individual therapy to try to find community, you know, whether it's to find a partner or to improve their family of origin, you know, or to get along better with their relatives or their in-laws or, you know, or trying to heal friendships, you know, something um, uh, Albert Adler said is, you know, all problems are relational, you know, so, um, so if all problems are relational, then a lot of the, the, you know, the DSM for, we could say, you know, DSM for, or whatever, three or five, whichever one it is now, focuses on the individual, you know, that this is, these are individual psychopathologies, you know? So, but if our problems are relational, that doesn't kind of make a lot of sense in a way, you know? So did those, so looking at, so if we're looking at trying to heal something into as an individual psychopathology, you know, and then the person is going to go back and but form community, but the problem formed as a breakdown of community because someone, because someone wasn't there for you in the moments of trauma, because you didn't have someone to go to when you were overwhelmed by shame, you know, or, um, or not feeling protected. So getting off track a little bit, I think, but the, um, you're not, I think that's, it's a helpful reframe. Yeah. So the antidote sort of has to match, you know, the, the problem, you know, so that's a little bit. And so to expect someone to kind of and a lot of healing can happen in an individual, but I wasn't seeing people take the individual healing and then going out in a society and rebuilding a community. One for one, the, the, the community, a lot of times the community didn't exist, you know, that well, there wasn't her circles to belong to, you know, AA is one of those where they're, you know, and some people belong there. Some people feel like they don't belong there. Some people belong for a while and then don't belong, you know, but it's not like we have, these really enriched community gathering spaces that go and belong to, you know, that maybe people find it in a religious space, you know, for a while, you know, and, um, but so, but it, we just need more of a critical mass of folks that recognize what, what the power of the circle, the power of being, being in community, of being an intentional community. Like, I think that what I would want for my children is, that there's a lots of places where community belongs. You know, if they if they're going through postpartum, you know, depression after a child, there's there's a woman's group or woman's community that they can go to belong to that's built in, and people recognize what women need in those moments. There's 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 communities where men have you know it's time for my son to begin the rites of passage, and there's a healthy intentional community of men that kind of help him walk through that 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 process or for my daughter to have a rites of passage women's group that she goes through and she's mentored through that phase in her life. You know, there's no sort of reason our society can't have those intentional spaces, we, but we, we've lost it. We don't, at one point 
I think we did have intentional spaces like that. We did have ritual that was designed for developmental, that supported developmental processes of people. But we've lost a lot of that. And we, what Francis Weller talks about is we, one of the griefs, one of the gates of grief is we come in expecting to have that place of belonging. And we don't, we don't have it. We've lost it. Um, so there's a lot of um, potential for, you know, our society to be a whole lot more connected and a lot more supportive of the um, healing of each other. Um, and, um, you know, we're kind of, a, I think, in a bad rush to try to create that. Yeah. And you know, just for listeners, you mentioned Francis Weller and um, you're referring to his book, The Wild Edge of Sorrow. Right. which is a wonderful book for anyone experiencing grief or loss about any, anything at all, you know, individual yeah. or collective. Yeah. And there's grief, there's grief that we don't even know that we're carrying like this one of that at deep down inside, we all know that we're longing for community and we're grieving, not having it, you know? And I think, um, I think that's a common sometimes. And when we can't put our finger on it, it comes out as anxiety. It comes out as shame. It comes out of, you know, that there's something wrong with me or depression, you know, so when we can't, we can't put it out and it comes out in a systematic or symptom kind of way. And you mentioned early on that there are some parts of us that can really only be healed in groups. Can, can you speak about that more? Like what, what kinds of parts of us can we like identify within ourselves that could benefit that could heal could grow by being part of a group like this well, i think it's um it, i i probably would uh, probably would change that a little bit i would maybe if i was i probably wrote that and i would change it a little bit later but i think that like there's something there's something in when we sit in a room of other people there's something emerges inside of us it's unhealed um and in individual therapy that doesn't quite emerge you know, so my social anxiety, you know, I have a, my therapist, my social anxiety doesn't really show up with real time with my, with my, you know, unless I sort of, I can recall it or talk about a time that I felt socially anxious, you know, but in a real time setting, that social anxiety isn't emerging, you know, but if I go into a new groove of people that I don't know, and I sat down that, that anxiety is right there. It's right there present with me you know, and the dangers that I, my parts believe is there is right in the room along with me. So I think the catalyst for the bringing up what's unsettled, you know, and then to experience that kind of, that people go from being unsafe to being, being deeply safe and not, not only deeply safe, but deeply wanting me to heal, to be in my best self. There's a transformation that can happen in those settings. That's, it's hard to get all of those elements you know, in other settings, you know, so I think the, the healing potential to, to bring up, but also to heal is certain elements of our, our uh, traumas around relationships, you know, have a deep potential within a group setting. And not say that some of those healings don't, they occur and we don't feel better. And I don't, I get help with my social anxiety in individual setting. And I'm a little bit more out, you know, out for, you know, extroverted and I'm a little more comfortable in large groups all those things definitely can ha help, you know, but there's a deeper level that you might get to in group work that you maybe, you know, didn't get to. And I think this goes back to kind of what you said earlier. There's spaces that you've worked, but there's a, another kind of level that you've got to get to at times. Yeah. And it, it seems to happen, or it seemed, I experienced it more in real time when I was in the group. So for, for example, on, on our first day, our first morning there, when we all just sat down the circle the first time and you guided us inside to see what parts are here at the forefront. Cause these are usually the parts that are running our lives and they're scanning for safety. And one of the, one of the biggest parts for me that I became more aware of it was the part of me that's just so concerned with, are, are they going to like me? Am I going to fit in? And it was like almost, almost obsessive about it. And just wondering that, you know, how can I come across so that people like me? And just to go from that to the sculpt experience that I had, you know, where those parts were just not even, they were not even um, 
asking, they were not asking those questions anymore. They were completely relaxed because I just felt so loved and seen. And that was only within the course of a few days. Yeah. 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 I think that, um, yeah, that's kind of what we're, I think we're trying to talk, talk to Sarah that those parts that they walk in the door with you, you know, and I, and one of the things that we did and uh, is even before we do our introduction or even say who we are, or say where we're from or start making connections, you know, like who just walked in the door with you, you know, from the very, from the very beginning, because those are the parts that are scanning our environment and trying to keep us safe and begin to befriend those parts that they protected us for so long for good reasons. Um, and to get to know those to, to start with. And cause they, they often, they settle pretty soon. Like once we just kind of introduce ourselves, find one or two people that we relate to those parts kind of like, can settle a good bit, you know, but we might miss them. They may settle so quick that we miss them um, and not, not get to know them. Yeah, I, I lead a lot of IFS circles online for women. And one of the main reasons why women want to come to these circles is to learn to use their voice more or to just show up more powerfully in a group to heal that social anxiety. And it's, it's more challenging for some than others. And I think online, it can be even more challenging just in the zoom environment to just have that courage to unmute yourself and speak up. And you, you talk, you talked about the danger of resting in the critic observer space yeah. within a group and how that can damage or how, how that can prevent a group from deepening. And I, I find that to be one of the biggest challenges in leading online circles is to, is to help women to either first become aware of the, the critic observer role and help them to, to lean in more. But can, can you talk more about, about the critic observer and how that works in a group? I think it's a, it's a natural tendency when we're observing something to critique it, um, you know, and it's a, it's a major way of keeping a distance to not being vulnerable and, um, and the lack of sort of awareness of it. You know, we have, you know, we have movie critics, you know, we have, you know, food critics, we have, you know, anything that we're partaking in, we have a tendency to be, you know, trained to critic to critique it, you know, so, so not recognize, sometimes it can be a bit like your ear, you can't see that's actually the part that you're in so close to you. Um, but in a group dynamic, it can really keep the group from being safe and going deeper and to, for people to, to be able to share themselves. So one of the principles that we work with is, you know, sort of everybody's stepping into the, the soup together, um, that we're all revealing our vulnerability and we're sharing that vulnerability. And um, I think, you know, from day one, I said, you know, and I'm going to do a sculpt too. I'm a member of the group and I'm going to do a sculpt too. And um, so that, you know, I'm not a critic observer as well, that I'm also going to be sharing my vulnerability um, within the group setting. Um, so there's, uh, so that's the, the nature of the circle is that everyone is in, you know, is committing to, to show up and to be uh, open and vulnerable and, and talk about what they need in order to do that. And that the norming phase is where you go about trying to norm to, to get enough enough safety to have a brave enough space that people can can share their vulnerabilities together. Can you talk about the different stages of the group forming and norming yeah. process? Yeah, and I uh, the originator author of that is skipping my mind right now. It's in the book. That's that the references that's in the book. Um, but I, I've it's a simple one. It's just the the forming. It goes forming, storming, norming, and performing. You know, so it has four stages to a group. And um, for a long time, I thought maybe if I did a group perfectly, we wouldn't have the storming phase. You know, and I found that that really wasn't wasn't possible. You know, that it's the way that you go through storming that makes a big difference in how you norm more deeply and how you get to a phase where people are really really uh, performing together. So the storming doesn't have to be harmful and definitely we, we don't want it to be harmful you know the storming can be the space where we learn to speak our truth and tell the truth to each other um and to ask for more of what we want and negotiate for our needs but um but we all go through that that stage of forming and storming norming is when we talk about how are we going to be together how are we going to interact 
you know, and norming can be as simple as, as what music do we play? Do, do we, we leave the, the window open? Do we go to the bathroom whenever we need to? Do we do groups? You know, do we speak to each other with uh, our fix-it parts? You know, you know, how do we, you know, how are we going, how, you know, how direct or how honest or how, you know, uh, you know, how much caretaking are we going to have? So there's lots of different elements that comes into those, those, the normings of how we're going to be together. Um, and then anytime the group changes, you start back over with forming. There's maybe some storming the norming. You have to renorm because you have a new member and you have to get to another level of uh, participating. Yeah, the, the storming part reminds me of even just, you know, in an intimate relationship, even if you have a really great relationship, there's still going to be conflict. Yeah. And when we handle that conflict with care, it allows us to have a deeper relationship. It's like drop drops us into a new level together and yeah. storming does that at, for a group. So it's, it's a positive thing. Yeah. Every couple goes through that. And the way that you go through that uh, is the way that you kind of build that relationship to be stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the things that you've noticed within yourself have really healed and transformed as a result of healing circles? Um, yeah, one of the biggest things I would say, um, there's the, the new book um, that's coming out, all of us that Jenna is putting out. Um, I have a chapter in there um, on healing circles. And um, when I started writing it, I, someone asked me a question, early, early, I think I was in, in an ACOA meeting, uh, it said, finish the question, people are, you know, and I, and I finished the question, people are dangerous and unpredictable and selfish, you know, and then the next piece is, and look, then look at how does that shape how you are in the world? How does that shape the world in which you interact in? And, and that, that always stuck with me, like, in that when I would go back to my social anxiety or fear or maybe I had a training that I got some feedback that felt really hurtful, you know, that, that burden, that belief, that burden would come up over. And then looking at being in groups, I think a lot of my group work was trying to heal that belief that people were dangerous, unpredictable, and selfish, you know, and in group settings, people were not that, you know, and and in other places, I would sort of still experience it, but in group settings and IFS settings and, you know, even in when early days of when I was in churches, people were very generous to each other. There was this not, it doesn't, doesn't, people are not always that way, you know, and so really getting that changed and shifted, you know, so now for me, if I, if I finish the question, people are, you know, people are playmates, you know, people are support system, people are resources, people are uh, loving and beautiful, you know, people are, have huge potential to transform society, you know, so the, so I think that's a, a, a tremendous shift in my own perspective around just my relationship to other people and community, you know, so, but it's taken a lot of group work and a lot of internal work to, to have that uh, shift and change. Um, yeah, that is a big shift. Mm. So for anyone who's interested in doing this group work, um, both who's interested in being part of it and someone who's interested in leading it. Let's, let's start with the person who's interested in being part of it. What, what would you say to them? Um, I, there's lots of places to do group work. You know, I think um, right now we're able to hold um, about six a year. Um, there's 10 people. So that's about 60 people that um, I can accommodate, you know, right now for the healing circles trainings. I'm not doing it online. I think it's, I can't get to depth of what I want to teach online. Um, also, I've been online for three years and I just love have, being with people, you know, so there's some replenishing for me that's happening as well. Um, I went through the breakthrough program at Karen Treatment Center. Um, I did their five-day treatment program. For a five-day treatment program, it's very affordable, uh, and they're they're wonderful facilitators of group work. You know, they're they've got master group work uh, facilitators there, 
um, that, and they've been doing it a tradition for about 40 years. A lot of the things I've taken from the book was from my experience of being at Breakthrough and Karen Treatment, and I think they're in Pennsylvania. Um, there's psychodrama groups that are going on um, that people get a part of. Hopefully, there's going to be more IFS, you know, group works. But you know, get get in a group and start to like explore. Um, there's um, a couple of group works in Boston um, that are more um, process, you know, experiential process groups. So you know, if you look around and find it. Um, I mentioned, you know, different things, adult children of alcoholic, you know, ACOA. I don't know if those are still going on anymore. I think different places still have them. So, you know, one of the things that we did, you know, when we were learning IFS early is I got a, a group of my colleagues together and we just practiced, you know, we did a lot of practice um, and I was in consultation and support IFS support groups, you know, for a long time with uh, my dear friend, Kevin Davis and I was in a group together. Uh, she's an assistant trainer, and uh, then we ran groups together for uh, for several many years after that. So, you know, just start. <laughs> just you know, yeah. You know, there's there's got to be you know four or five people in your practice that are struggling with a similar issue. You know, maybe it's social anxiety or dating or you know or how to you know how to relate better to my spouse. You know, ask them to get together and you know kind of you know, learn by doing it. And uh, yeah, and yeah. I'm always leading some, some form of a group that people can, can, the women can join. Yeah. Great. And what about someone who's interested in facilitating? Um, you speak a lot in this book about facilitation skills. What are some yeah. things that people should keep in mind as group facilitators? Well, I think um, getting, getting kind of a, getting a contract around how the group is going to relate to each other, um, you know, and, and how we're going to handle when we're in conflict and what does it mean to be a member of a group? And I, I and people know how to be individuals. They maybe kind of know how to be in their family. They may know how to be with a significant other. But they don't often know how to be a member of a group and where, you're actually your impact and your contribution is beyond you. And that's, that's a major breakdown in an individualistic society is that people aren't really looking at how, how do I support the lives of other people? Um, not in a caretaking way, not in a, a sacrificing way, but how's my presence benefit, you know, the, the, the community that I'm in. Um, so, you know, workable, workable agreements, creating very good, strong workable agreements asking for what you need, helping people understand what participation in this group means, what they're going to get out of it, what they're going to contribute to it, um, and having some, you know, um, skills in that. You also have to time manage and track time. You have to ask people to pause. You know, gently, this is not a social environment. You have to not let the group get hijacked by, you know, I don't know, talking about the Super Bowl or talking about, like, you know, you know, the you know, a play or, you know, a TV show. So you, you have to be able to, to, you know, keep the group focused and have a therapeutic focus. Um, and then you have to also be able to work with your own system. If you do get, you know, confronted for something in front of the group, public humiliation can be very strong and encompassing, you know, so if that's something that's been hard for you, having a co-facilitator for a while to support you, you know, if you, you know, do you get someone to sort of come after you with some, some disgruntled feelings and um, and how you can kind of hold your seat of self in those moments. So um, I think those are kind of essential elements of getting started and doing group work. Yeah, it is a different way of operating. We In one of my groups, that's more of like a long-term group. We had a stormy experience a couple of weeks ago and I, cause I had come back from your training and I, I had started to see a tendency of someone got triggered by something in the circle or by someone else that they would leave and say, I need to take a break or they'd, or they'd send me an email. Mm -hmm. And so we brought that into the circles. Like what, what, what do we need to do in order for, for you to bring your upset to the circle? Mm -hmm. What does it take to bring that upset to the circle, to share it with the circle 
Mm. So that can be, it can be seen and witnessed within the group rather than just leaving and processing it on your own or just trying to process it with me one-on-one. And it was really powerful. And then that opened up a whole new level of truth-telling and vulnerability and things that other people had been withholding uh, parts, parts that they had been um, just not, not expressing, not sharing in the group. And it was, it was powerful. Yeah. Wonderful. That takes a lot of courage to bring that in to the group and in the great facilitation. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I think we're not used to being part of groups like that, where, where it's about let's, let's tell the truth to each other. If if there's something on our minds, let's, let's say it together. And that's, it's that it's safe to do that. And that you can actually do it and have a relationship be stronger as a result of that. Yeah. A lot of times we avoid it because we believe that it's going to, the, the relationship's going to disintegrate and we're going to lose it. You know, so we don't yeah. do it. But, you know, those strong relationships are ones that we can be honest and be truthful in. Great. Wonderful. Great job. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And being, and being in the group, the, the training really helps me to do that you know, gave me the courage to do that. Yeah. So can you lead us through a brief parts exercise of some sort that relates in some way to what we're talking about today? Just because I know that a big part of what you're up to is experiential learning. And I know that listeners can get a lot from what we're talking about, but they're also going to get something different. If we, if you guide them through an experience, would that be okay with you? Yeah. Um, well, let's maybe let's maybe do the people are exercise and um, and folks can kind of gather a little bit of that what's there for them. So um, so yeah. So if you just kind of go inside a moment, and we'll just start off with the word people. When I say the word people, just notice which people. What people do you? focus on? Do you focus on the people in your current world? Do you focus on people in your family? Or do you focus on the larger society of people? Like which people do you focus on? Maybe just noticing as you sort of scan this people, which one gathers your attention? Where do you gather some trepidation? Maybe it's a certain group of people. Maybe it's people that have differences than you. And then we'll just finish our people are, and then filling in the blank, just noticing what qualifier words come up. And it could be more on the unsafe side, it could be more towards belonging, it could be a kind of a continuum between belonging and unsafe. And just noticing. that's alive in your system. You get something in the, more towards the unsafe, you know, slant. Maybe just notice if there's a part that experienced something that made them feel like people were unsafe or dangerous or unpredictable. And if you're leaning more towards the safety side, maybe just notice what relationship you've had inside to those parts 
that helps them feel more safe. And just let yourself notice without judging or evaluating, just noticing. our natural inclination to turn towards people and community. And maybe if you found a part, maybe just see which part that is, if it's a protector, young part. You can hang out them for a minute and see if they can tell you what caused them to feel this way. What an event or events or place and time or experiences that created that feeling and belief and reality for them. And then maybe to see if they have any awareness of you listening to them, if you can listen to them compassionately or curiously, see if they have any sense of you being there, that self, curious or compassionate self being there with them. And we can see what they need from you. Let's see what else they need. And just thinking whatever came, whatever you notice, it's just the beginning of a little inquiry. Maybe of a journey, the beginning of a journey or trailhead to work towards or something that needs more attention from you. Letting whatever part showed up that you can come back and spend more time with them. When you come back, just slowly come back. And Taking a moment to just jot down whatever you notice, just to harvest whatever's there. It's okay if there was just a lot of gratitude, that's really wonderful too, or if there was any leftover anxiety, or fear, whatever showed up, it's completely okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. As we are nearing the end of our conversation, one question I want to be sure to ask you, because I know some listeners may be wondering, well, maybe I, I've been thinking about doing one-on-one -on -one IFS work, or I'm already doing one-on-one -on -one IFS work, or what would you say to people if they, you know, I think the ideal is to do both group work mm -hmm. and one-on-one, -on -one, but yeah. if someone can only do one at a particular time in life, what, what would you suggest? Well, I think it um, it depends a little bit on your journey with IFS. You know, I think, um, you know, when I first started out navigating, helping someone navigate their system of four or five parts was, was that was a lot, you know, it was. And so it depends a little bit on your journey. You know, when you start to have kind of more parts in the room, the dynamics of parts, tracking sequences. So it's best to sort of work where we feel our skill sets are. Um, and um, I mean, just learning to do family therapy was a lot for me, learning to have people in conflict in the same room together, couples having two people in the room is conflict. So it depends kind of where you are in your journey, what you feel like you can handle, um, how you are, you know, how, you, how you're made up. You know, for some of us, or, you know, I'm pretty sensitive, so having, 
lots of people in the room can be a little overwhelming to my system. Um, I don't, I usually like quiet restaurants. I don't like now noisy restaurants. So it, there's a lot of factors there, I think, around who you are and your makeup and, and you know, kind of what feels manageable to you and what feels fun to you. Um, so I think, you know, work in a way that you feel like it's really beneficial to you and feels like it's you're making your most impact. You know, I think my conversation is a little bit like, like, you know, hey, there's this other thing over here, too you know, that you might, you might like to explore, you might find is really beneficial, you know, and we want to have that, those other options available to us. There's no kind of, you should be doing anything, you know, anytime we do that, a should thing, we're leading from our parts and we're doing it because someone has said, this is better than that. You know, we have to sort of listen internally to kind of what, you know, where we are and what we're led to and what we feel compassion, feel passion about. So yeah, I think to do the work that you feel is, you know, in your heart and, you know, and, you know, maybe if you're curious, you know, about other things, you know, follow up with it. it you know, for me, I, you know, I didn't write, I wrote, started writing this book three years ago. I was 50, I don't know, 58 or 50, 55, 54, 55. Um, you know, so, you know, it, and something cultivated when I, you know, inside when I was in my forties. So sometimes things incubate for quite some time before they're ready to come become a delivery system. So don't feel like you're in a rush to do certain things. Like if it incubates inside of you, you know, just let it incubate and follow up with it, see where it leads you. So there's, there's time for things. And what would you say for someone who's thinking about participating and wondering like, should I, should I participate in one-on-one -on -one work or group work if, you know, if there's budget constraints, time constraints, would you say yeah. the same thing just to listen inside and see what you're drawn to? Or was, is there any other guidelines you would, or recommendations you would give someone? Yeah, I think, I think the individual, for me, if I've got sort of a deep trauma that I can't get over, or, you know, I know there's events that I'm carrying that I need to clear, you know, I'm probably going to go to individual therapists to really focus individually on those things specifically and localize and clear those. If where my relationships are, um, I'm having trouble relationally, you know, and I, and I, I'm scared of people. I got to be with people to, to get over being scared of people, you know? So then if, if I can find a healthy group, you know, to belong to, to help me with that. So it depends a little bit kind of what you're working on, you know, and what's going to be the best thing, you know? So I, you know, I go to chiropractors, I go to you know, body workers, I go, to, I have a wonderful acupressurist, you know, that I go to, um, you know, so I go to sort of different, different things for different symptoms, you know, so probably if I did yoga, I would, you know, do have to go to less of those, you know, so, um, but, um, but I, I didn't like to go to those instead of doing the yoga I probably need to be doing, but, um, but yeah, so I think, you know, kind of do what really feels best and what feels like what's going to be the most, has the most potential for you, you know. And what is your current growing edge? My current growing edge, I think, um, uh, I think it's probably spending more of my time working creatively than um, um, I probably have some old, you know, survival patterns of working to survive, you know, and, and that can take over where I'm kind of doing the work I think I'm supposed to do, rather than the work that I'm creatively led to do. So mine is probably working creatively and keeping my eye on a bigger picture, um, you know, and, and not spending my day, we call it, you know, doing low hanging fruit, you know, spend all day answering emails and, you know, and, you know, doing things that um, are necessary, but uh, are, I'm not really working creatively. So I think that's my challenge is not to get pulled into the low hanging fruit and uh, creative work isn't always easy. You know, it's sometimes it's, you know, it's, it takes a while to get something really, you know, creatively out and, you know, so you're working with the unknown a lot more. Yeah. I think this relates to my next question, which is, which is like, what's, what's next for you? You know, this book is out in the world. You're 
getting these healing circle trainings, your IFS trainings and what's, what, what's next on the horizon? Um, yeah, my wife and I have a couple of books, um, that we're, that we have, I think we're on the third outline now of it. I think we're on the second outline and we're, we we're just talking last night about a new outline for it, you know, and, um, so it's like a, a IFS companion guide is one of them that we're working on. Um, another one is on, you know, how IFS can support you when you're in really, really difficult times, you know, so um, those are a couple of projects that we're working on together and uh, we really love work, writing together. Um, and so, um, so yeah, and you know, I, I talk about in the book a little bit, being dyslexic, writing is sort of the last thing in the world I wanna do, you know, so um, I would, rather be on a podcast with you than right, you know, so, um, so that, so committing to really, you know, to doing that and, and the, and the book's been really well received. I think we're up to whatever thousand copies so far, and, you know, and um, so it's, it's one been run for Steve and, and, and people are really, I think, talking about healing circles more, which is kind of the whole growth, all, all part of it is looking at, you know, how else can we use this model to, to heal our society? So, um, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what we have. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what we have in the back of our mind that we we're working on. Great. Yeah. And so, just a reminder to listeners: you can get Chris's book, Creating Healing Circles, um, online, Amazon, and do you want to share your IFS bookstore too? IFS bookstore. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. It's out on Kindle. I don't Kindle. make very much on Kindle, so if you. <laughs> yes. As you know, Sarah, Kindle takes not, yeah, not much on, not much, not much on the, yeah, not much on yeah. the books. Yeah. Um, can you share with listeners where they can learn more about you? And if there's anything upcoming that you want to let people know about? Um, we do have, I think May 18th, May 18th or 19th, uh, the Rocky mountain, um, association is, has a, and it's on my Facebook page and, um, I'm sent out. If you want to find out more, you can go to my website, uh, join my MailChimp list, serve, and I'll send out um, some. But we're going to be talking about healing circles for about six hours. I can't train you fully into it, but I can give you some solid overviews about it. Um, we're running healing circles trainings. Those three for this year are full. Um, I do have a waiting list. Um, people, things come up and people move, move around a bit. Um, so if you're interested in getting on a waiting list, um, you can email me at, um, off my website, bruscounseling.com, uh, email me there. And, um, there's a link to email me there and we'll get you on a waiting list. We will be putting together 2020, um, 24, uh, list. Um, so we, um, last year we put out four at one time, uh, this year we'll probably maybe put out one or two at a time and, you know, if they heal, we'll, we'll add some more to them, but, the plan is to try to have six, six trainings next year uh, right. here in Asheville. And um, my wife feeds you lunch, you know, so. Um, so yeah, I highly fun, recommend fun it. Fun time. Yeah, yeah, it's a great training yeah. all around. So I'll put the link to your website and your book in the show notes if listeners want to access those that way. And thank you so much, Chris. Great, Sarah. It's, yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thanks for having me.